In the 1980s, Prince had an at times patriotic, at times cautiously optimistic, and at times a bit fatalistic look at our country and our world in general. He loved his country for the most part and, and where he was from, but he wasn't blind to its issues, its problems, its problematic history. And joining me today to talk about the lyrics to America is Zachary Hoskins. Welcome back to the show, Zach. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Welcome back again, and you know, this episode's all about America. Uh, I, I, I should have recorded this on 4th of July, I just didn't have the timing right, you know, I just, just didn't have it worked out right. As we're recording this still in the summer, but it is a bit past uh, our Independence Day here in America. But um, America is, you know, it's the, it's the first song off Side B on Around the World in a Day, so it kicks off the second side of the album. It um, is very memorable start to the that side with the with the record kind of stopping and starting and kind of sounds like a, a little bit like a DJ scratching, mm. which you know hip hop was still a pretty new genre in 1984 85 when the song was recorded and released. Um, it was a U.S. single in America. Uh, it wasn't released as a single in the entire world. Um, I guess probably for some pretty clear reasons, you know, I mean, I don't know, not that that American music is very popular across the country, but I, there was probably a conscious decision to maybe not release this as a song in some countries where just the title alone might be, um, I wouldn't say a turnoff, but just maybe not as quite as a, an interesting topic as like a Paisley Park or something that's more universal. Right, right. Um, Raspberry Beret and Pop Life were much bigger hits off the record. This song didn't quite crack the top 40 here in America on the pop charts. I don't have any recollection of hearing it on the radio back in the 80s when, when it would have been released, which I guess coincides with the fact that I was listening to top 40 radio, and if the song doesn't make the top 40, I'm probably not going to hear it. Uh, I don't I mean, I, the video, there's a video for it, but I never remember MTV playing it. It's pretty long. I think it's like right. it's not as long as the uh, the twenty one minute twelve inch version that we had just been talking about prior to recording. But uh, it's still pretty long for a music video. It's like nine plus minutes long, and it's essentially uh, you know them doing a live jam version of this of this song, which that brings up a point also about America that's kind of interesting or at least something notable is that. There's quite a few songs on Around the World in a Day, just like every other Prince in the Revolution record, that is just Prince. That just, you know, goes into the recording studio and lays down all the vocals, all the, the music and the harmonies himself. But this is a full band effort. This is truly Prince and the Revolution recording this, this song. And it's pretty, to me, it's pretty clear. You know, it just kind of has that more of that live feel to it. I don't know how how do you feel about that or do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean definitely. I think 
one thing you were when you were mentioning like the the kind of false start at the beginning of the tape machine starting and then rewinding um and then on the 12 inch you actually get at the end the sound of the tape running out <laughs> you know so it, it's it's like not only is it not only does it have a live you know live in the studio jam feel and um you know the 12 inch just goes on it feels like forever um but then you also have these like very obvious you know it's it's like the construct the song's construction is being exposed you know the actual medium it was recorded on you can you can hear you can hear mm -hmm. in the song which is pretty it's um not something that you usually hear in prison's catalog um you know i can think of a couple of instances like on um Got a broken heart again, where you hear him. I think that's at the end. It's like clanging sound, mm -hmm. um, and I think it's him putting the guitar down. You know, so that that kind of stuff you hear it sometimes, but not not very often, and and not very often in, in popular music in general. Obviously, this is the stuff. It's like showing a a, a boom microphone in a movie. This is the stuff that you know <laughs> we're we're supposed to not be aware of. Yeah, I, I almost wish that the the twelve inch version, the one that lasts. 21 plus minutes until the tape runs out it would have just ended abruptly instead of they, they made a decision to uh, to have it fade out so right. they knew that the the vocal ended or the the music ended because the tape ran out so instead of just having it end like, like i said very abruptly which would have been a very natural sound because that's what people would have heard when they played the, the tape back uh, they, they made a decision to fade it out, which I get, I get, but I think I would have liked it to be just literally that that hard stop, um, just to kind of uh, completely mimic the situation that occurred in re in real time. Yeah, but yeah. That's just me. Okay, so America kind of, I don't know, to me a little bit fits into that sort of familiar territory that Prince was mining in this time about some, you know, the not just nuclear nuclear fears, nuclear war fears, and fears of, you know, atomic explosions and nuclear war in general, but just, you know, it's kind of a political song in a way. It's not, it's not going to be the most um, in-depth or insightful political song of Prince's career. I mean, a lot of those come much later and they had much more specific things to say about society or about racism or about what have you. But this song, you know, I get more of a sense like this song is, it's trying to be patriotic in a way, but at the same time, it also speaks to like income inequality and um, poverty and also just war in general and how maybe America tends to stick our nose into other people's business and get into conflicts around the world. I mean, I I don't know. I well, as we go through the lyrics, we're going to probably see some of those um, some examples of that and how he kind of uh, provides us some insight into where his headspace was and what he was thinking about and maybe a little bit about what was going on in the world at the time of this recording, which was been 1984 according to Prince Vault. Uh, but then again, that matches pretty much all of the songs from around the world in a day were recorded in 84, so that makes sense. And to me, it's like, it's, it's kind of like a little bit of, of Free from 1999 mixed with a little bit of 
Ronnie talked to Russia in 1999 with also yeah. having some some scare tactics added in and <laughs> some fears uh, included with that patriotism. And what what um, other songs or you know do you have any other thoughts about about you know the overall lyrical um, meanings behind the song or what the intent of the song is? Yeah, I mean those are the main ones for me. I. I think of I think of Ronnie Talk to Russia, uh, Free and America as kind of like Prince's Cold Word trilogy or mm-hmm. or triptych. You know, it's um, they're very much coming from a, a similar place, having a, a similar kind of ambiguous relationship with with America and American ideology and um, you know he's obviously not um, fully enamored you know it's it's not it's not like God bless the USA or um, you know any of the like really just like out and out patriotic songs he obviously there's some there's some um, there, there's some ambiguity there and, and there's and there's some you know doubt I guess we could say but he's also um, you know a clearly afraid of, of communism, afraid of the Soviet Union. So it's 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 like there's this just weird, you know, kind of he's, he's kind of drinking the, the Cold War Kool-Aid. But you also see in the in the lyrics that there's a lot of, um, you know, pretty uh, upfront criticisms of the American way of life, um, at least as experienced by marginalized people. So um, it's it's a really interesting, you know, this is Prince kind of like figuring out where he stands politically in the 80s in in real time. And and I think it's interesting to contrast this, like you kind of mentioned, you know, later in his career, he would have much more uh, songs that, that were much more directly criticizing the kind of, um, you know, American... Hedemony, uh, stuff like Dreamer from Lotus Flower. Right. And um, so it's interesting to kind of compare with this where he's sort of, you know, he's moving in this direction. Prince grew up uh, during the civil rights movement. He he grew up in a predominantly black community um, where, you know, he was aware of things like the black power movement and uh, the riots in North Minneapolis, um, you know, this is Prince wasn't apolitical, but he was also, you know, the 80s were a more conservative time and he was getting money. He was uh, in in kind of in the mainstream. And um, so it's it's interesting to see him kind of wrestle with these mainstream politics before ultimately moving into something a little more radical later in his life. Yeah, I mean, he never goes like full bore jingoism on songs uh, right, like right. Free or America, but it's certainly not, as you mentioned, not as fleshed out on certain topics as like a dreamer or a colonized mind. This is more like your lighter weight political, like party up, you know. But but he's moving there, you know. Like he's getting there. He's he's putting a little more. Uh, meat into his into his lyrics when he wants to go that that um, social commentary route that he would do just a couple few years later to two three years later on songs like sign of the times or you know early 90s like money don't matter tonight like those are more talking about 
the poverty and HIV and and things of that nature, and then, like I mentioned, social and economical inequality. Uh, and so that that's kind of where this is going. I never get a sense from reading the lyrics to America that he's really going to the places that an avalanche or, a, you know, as we mentioned multiple times now, Dreamer and Colonized Mind go decades later. So he's still still figuring this out, you know, and his, his political beliefs are still kind of um, becoming formed, I think, a bit in the 80s. And each subsequent album that includes any kind of commentary on that, you kind of get a sense for it propelling forward. Like, it's, it's constantly getting... Uh, you know the details are becoming more fleshed out of what where he thinks our society is and where those directions or you know where we need to make changes and change in direction and leadership and whatnot so um, yeah I, I, I'm totally with you on that and I just wanted to kind of preface the reading of the lyrics with like each section of the song tends to it kind of goes in a different way and it's like you're thinking he's going to go one way and be against <laughs> communism but then he brings it back in verse two to talk about just domestic stuff and then verse three goes more of like a, a nuclear nuclear fears and so i think now is as good a time as any to start talking about the lyrics i guess unless you yeah. have anything else you wanted to bring up before we do no i think that's that's a, a fun setup all right so uh, one thing I like about Around the World in a Day album, I mean, it's, it's visually it's stunning, like just the artwork, the cover, uh, the way the lyrics are written. I mean, each mm-hmm. he did this a bit with Purple Rain, the album before, where like the font was different for each of the songs on the back cover. Right, right. With Around the World in a Day, it's it's not uh, it's not real clear with each song that there's a a distinct um, font that matches what the song is, but it's it's a little different. Like Pop Life has got like these bubbly font, and Tambourine has all the the words or the the letters of the word kind of in this in these little boxes that almost look like a like a folded piece of paper that you pull out. And America is the lyrics are all well, <laughs> red, white, and blue. So right, pretty on the nose there, and. Uh, <laughs> But it, it, it's kind of neat, you know. I like. I just like looking at it visually. It's interesting. So I'm gonna grab the album and read the lyrics from there because I, when I have lyrics to uh, available to me from the record itself, I usually try to do that because I found some of these lyric websites to be inaccurate. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing that some of the the printed lyrics miss is a lot of the ad libs and and stuff that. Um, you know, kind of the fun stuff in the middle that maybe wasn't necessarily intended to be or wasn't written down as lyrics, quote unquote, but they're certainly, you know, in there uh, in the song and oftentimes worth talking about. So I like having them both available. So the first verse is aristocrats on a mountain climb, making money, losing time. Communism is just a word, but if the government turn over, it'll be the only word that's heard. All right. So with the first verse, 
Uh, Zach, what are you what are you seeing here right off the bat with what he's what Prince is trying to say with this first verse and these lyrics? Well, I, I think it's I think it's interesting um, because you know he's starting with basically a a, a critique of capitalism here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> capitalism uh, like he's, Yeah, he's he's starting with um, you know talking about this like uh, what what we would say. Um, I, I feel like the most popular term now is income inequality. You know, um, it's you know there's there's these um, aristocrats, which is not a way that Americans like to describe themselves. You know, that's like a that that's calling back to like the old European class system that's supposed to be un-American, but we have this class of people. You know, like now it would be um, Jeff Bezos and um, you, you know. Uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and, 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 and those people who are effectively aristocrats, you know, yeah. um, they may not have been born into, into great wealth, but they've acquired it and are now, you know, hoarding it <laughs> from the rest of us. Um, so it, it, it's a really, it's a lie that I remember when I saw, um, I saw the revolution play this live after Prince died and it struck me hearing it in that context, like hearing it being played on stage now, it struck me that I had always thought of this song as very much of its time. Um, and it, it is, um, you know, this is kind of, I, uh, the, the Trump era is sort of like, um, uh, you know, the line about um, history repeating itself as farce. The Trump era is, mm -hmm. uh, to me, the Reagan era repeated as farce. Uh, but, uh, but, but it is of the time, but it's also very relevant to today. And it really, it really struck me that I, I was like, oh, you know, this is, th this feels very vital um, in in this moment. Even though obviously the Cold War is over, uh, you know, com uh, global communism is is no longer uh, uh, the threat that that I think um, Prince saw it in in 1985. Um, but there's still a lot that applies to today um so that's the first thing and then the, and but then the second half we have now we're talking about communism and this is something that I'm kind of getting ahead of myself but if you look at every verse it, it's this pattern uh of like starting with a critique of america and then the second half of the verse is, is like um of oh, a communism is scary like you know like like this this thing about america is bad but at least we're not the soviet union you know um it's a really interesting it's very consistent every verse he he does this pivot to um you know the the red scare basically yeah uh, it, it, brings it, it, back, it, it brings it back to that that subject each verse even though that's not where you think it's going to go yeah. right it's kind of like America is the lesser of two evils is basically, um, you know, what I'm, what I'm taking from, from this. No, good point. Good point. Because like I have in my notes, capitalism, bad. Yeah. Communism, <laughs> bad. Well, also bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, cause you know, like the, if the government turn over, it'll be the only word that's heard referring to communism. It's just a word, but if the government turns over, it's the only word you that you'll hear. And I'm guessing this is kind of like a comment on um, various communist insurgencies that were happening around the world at the time where like governments were, you know, there was an attempt to turn the governments over of some of these countries uh, in Southeast Asia and, and, and turning them into 
communist countries. And right. so, like, is there is there a concern, you know, a legitimate concern that the United States of America could be turned into a communist country? And, I mean, that seems a little, a little silly to think about, uh, <laughs> considering the size of a country and just, you know, how much... Uh, money we've sunk into our our you know our political and war machines but uh at the same time but he was seeing it and so it was it was a thing and just because it may not be something that he has or you know is a a realistic concern in 1984 for for prince rogers nelson uh doesn't mean that it's not a concern for other people that might be listening to the song or just a comment in general about uh, what's happening in the world so uh, i think that's that's really what i take from it the same as you it's like america the lesser of two evils because he kicks it off with saying capitalism's bad but that's what our society in america is based off of but it's i guess it's better than communism right Yeah, so that's the first verse, and so you got to get a feel for what he's trying to get at here. I mean, he doesn't kick it off with some real glowing uh, display of, of patriotism at all. It's aristocrats on the mountain climb making money, losing time, which is a pretty clear, you know, as you mentioned, aristocrats making money is, is not a real positive, uh, not a real positive way of framing capitalism. Right, you know, right. if you're just talking about it and trying to explain it to somebody, because you know, to climb a mountain means you get to the top, and the top there's room for less people. You know, mm-hmm. it gets to a point where there's only a few people that can stand on a mountain top because it's too narrow. So we all know what what that symbolism means for the rest of the country. We're all below. Right. Uh, in the chorus, then the chorus is really just kind of a take on, of course, the uh, famous "America the Beautiful" song. America, America, God shed His grace on thee. America, America, keep the children free. So. Uh, you know, the first two lines are right out of the, the song, the, the original version, but then he adds the keep the children free part, which, again, keep the children free, so you think free, freedom, you think, you know, America's built off of freedom and uh, freedom of choice and freedom of, you know, religion and all the freedoms that you know, we, our country was built on, at least that was the intent, and then to... Uh, make that comment keep the children free it's like once again a callback to free from 1999 i mean prince was really kind of still feeling like our freedoms that we have in america the united states of america are really valuable to him and he cherishes that and wants to make sure that all the children are going to continue to be free in the years to come and we're not going to turn into a communist country right right and i think it's also interesting that he he phrases it as a as an action or as something that needs to be you know it's not that america is the land of freedom freedom is endemic to the country you know it's it's just something that just blooms naturally out of out of 
America. You know, he he frames it as something that needs to be consciously done and maintained, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think is another thing that kind of it gives it, this song a little more political bite than it could have had. That then you know the the like really like I mentioned the really like jingoistic you know rah rah America songs. You know th- this one is I I, I think he's freedom is is an is an action and it's something that can it's something that can go away it's it's and, and i think it's it's something that you know a communist uh uprising could potentially <laughs> could potentially take away but it's also something that you know as we see in those first half of the verses can be eroded just within america itself you know there's plenty of times we we don't need communism to fall short of of the ideals on which America was was founded. Uh, we fall short of those ideals all the time, uh, even without you know ideological enemies. Uh, right. So um, I, I think it's an it's an interesting little turn of phrase there. I also think we, one thing we didn't mention because this is a lyric podcast, but the main you know riff of this song is a very distorted version of America the Beautiful. And I, I think in you you can't play a, a heavy distorted guitar uh, interpretation of a patriotic song without that being a reference to Jimi Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner from exactly, Woodstock. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I you know it, it this feels very much in that and and that was a hugely controversial um that, it was honestly a very similar kind of moment because Hendrix, you know, said that he meant it sincerely, and you know he wasn't he wasn't making an anti-American statement. Uh, but you know, conservative America was very incensed that he would, um, you know, do that to the national anthem. Um, so it's 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 an interesting touchstone for this song that kind of it rolls that in to the interpretation just from it being there. Yeah. And I kind of, now that you mentioned that, I kind of wonder if that hindered this song's crossover ability a bit as a single here in the United States. I wonder if there were some, <clears throat> some more conservative radio stations that <laughs> wouldn't pick up the song because they felt like it was uh, disrespectful or, you know, like, Oh, this is coming from, Prince, the guy you know who's writhing around on, <laughs> crawling around on the the floor naked in the Windows Cry video. And, uh, no, we're, yeah. not, we're not playing this. This can't be anything but disrespectful coming out of his mouth, right? Right? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Prince was yeah. Prince was not. Uh, Prince was not a representative of Reagan's America. <laughs> no. You know, he was. He was uh, he was black. He was um, I mean, he wasn't gay, but I think a lot of a lot of more conservative people would have assumed he was gay. Yeah, uh, he, he, was, he was. He was definitely you know kind of like sexually uh, divergent in some way. There's something you know. This is not he's he's not he's not having sex in the missionary position. You know, like there's some there's something deviant about it, right? Like. Um, so yeah, I, I do I do think, and I think that that's it. It also works against the song um, from the perspective of kind of more um, more dyed in the wool leftist critics who are like, well, he's not going far enough in his you know critique. Like this isn't the clash. He's not he's not saying you know capitalism is bad and 
the Sandinistas are good. You know, like it's it's usually usually you go in the other direction. This is much more like middle of the road. He's really um, it's it, it's it's kind of just enough to frustrate both sides because it's like yeah. he's too he's too patriotic for the left and too kind of weird and critical for the for the right. Uh, yeah. It's so, which makes it a, an odd song. Yeah, yeah. I think it all probably added up to it being a missed opportunity for a single or, you know, a hit single, I should say, at least. Surprised it did as well as it did. It almost made the top 40, but not quite. But as right. I mentioned, in my small town that I grew up in, I never heard it. So it's yeah, not cool. yeah. It probably didn't get a lot of play outside of certain markets, I guess. I do like the, you know, the comment about um, the freedom having to be something that you work work to maintain if you're already free you can't just take it for granted and just assume that because as you kind of alluded to our, our freedoms many of us feel like our freedoms are are at stake all the time and and some feel like it when it's maybe not warranted and others don't i mean we're running into we're seeing the situation now where the you know the the wearing of masks has been politicized to the point where there are those who feel like being asked to wear a mask is is a political statement, like their their freedom of choice to you know to to choose whether or not to wear a mask out in public has been taken from them, you know, and they're right. and it, they're afraid it's like this slippery slope, like oh you're gonna wear, make me wear a mask today, but what are you gonna make me do you know next year and and so the the freedoms they feel like their their freedoms are being eroded away slowly over time which is usually how it happens if it happens at all in in a, in a country or a society it's it's not just one day like oh i'm a totally free person the next day after uh, an election or something you know now it's a police state and everybody has right. to follow these gestapo laws it's like no it's, it's typically it happens slowly and that's where that side of the fence is sitting as like oh well this is just the tip of the iceberg what's next and uh, so even whether you believe in, in wearing masks or not, I think the point is there are certain aspects and there's certain um, components of our population that that do feel that way. And then freedom is something you have to constantly kind of strive and fight for to maintain, even if you live in a free society. All right, so then moving on to the second verse. Little sister making minimum wage, living in a one-room jungle, monkey cage. Can't get over, she's almost dead. She may not be in the black, but she's happy she ain't in the red. <laughs> so the, this is probably my favorite verse of the three. I just like the, the, the imagery going on here with you know the first line little sister making minimum wage and so um, i made a comment like little sister like literally sit like someone's you know sister uh when we're talking biologically or right. is it like a colloqu colloquial version of sister you know coming from a black man singing the song right. making minimum wage so you know i don't even know what minimum wage was in 1984 85 but regardless cost of living was allegedly the <laughs> difference so we would you know it would be about the same as it is now tough to live on bottom line 
um, living in a one-room jungle monkey cage. And so what I took away, or kind of the first thing, the thought that came into my head reading those lyrics again about the calling the city a jungle, um, Mm -hmm. is just going back to the uh, Grandmaster Flash, Melly Mel, uh, the message. It's like a jungle Mm, sometimes. I wonder how I keep from going under. Because, you know, the jungle also was that that book about um, uh, factory life, factory workers. Right. And so, yeah, uh, up to Sinclair, yeah. Yes, up to Sinclair, thank you. But I, I think of it more like, I don't think of the jungle being used in that context. I think of it more now thinking, calling the city a jungle mm-hmm. um, and then referencing back to the, the message and and how, you know, it's it's uh, basically survival of the fittest, just like, you know, in, in the wild and calling her little the little sister's one room jungle, you know, one studio apartment or whatever a monkey cage just kind of reinforces that that the imagery that the, the people who live in a city with in poverty you know have to fight every day for their lives just like the animals in the jungle have to right um and you already kind of alluded to the the comment towards the end so i'll let you take that one about she happy she ain't in the red <laughs> i like that that's the most extreme i i think that's the biggest pivot out of all of these like he's he paints this just dire portrait of urban poverty and then is like at least it's at least she's not a soviet you know (laughs) that one's that one's the one that i think is the hardest for for me to to swallow you know (laughs) like like um i it's it's just very extreme he just the um i i for the first half of the verse i went back um yeah the message is that that's an interesting that's definitely a, a, an interesting parallel. I, I went back even further to um, uh, Stevie Wonder's "Living for the City." This feels very much of that, um, you know, similar style. These like vignettes of just you know urban desperation, basically. Um, and but but then you know he's but he's got the it's the little he's got to get the work the Cold War back into it. You know, she at least she isn't in the red. In, the red mm-hmm. <laughs> no but I, even if i don't and like you it's like come on prince i mean <laughs> but i i think it's super creative you know to, to reference that so she may not yeah. be in the black which is you know in banking terms that means that if you're not in the black that that means that you really don't have any money if you're in the black you don't have debt right mm-hmm. yeah so she may not be in the black so that way, she, that means she may not have any money, but she's happy she's not in the red. So when you're talking in banking terms, to be in the red uh, would be like to have debt, you know, to to uh, not have money. So she doesn't. Right. So to like flip that around, she may not be in the black, meaning obviously she's poor, doesn't have money, but she happy she isn't in the red. Well, okay. So if you're looking at that literally, then it would just be okay. She doesn't have any money, but she doesn't have any debt either. Which, right, guess, right. You know, it's just living paycheck to paycheck. She's not borrowing anything, just trying to scrape by with what she has. But then you throw in, of course, the alternate uh, version of red. You know, in communism, Soviet Union, you know, the red state, and uh, throwing that out there for us to make sure that it's clear, like communism is still bad. So even if in, even if in a capitalist society you can't you can't get over as as he uses can't get over um, it could be worse right I right. guess right 
I guess. To be standing in long red lines and be poor in a communist society. Right, right. Yeah, thank you for unpacking that. I realized that I, I kind of glossed over the whole. Thing. It, it's it is a it's a clever um it's 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 a clever like turn. Yeah, I like that the the double meaning there. Yeah, even if we're even if we're not totally sold on on you know what he's trying to say there, but I love right. That. I'm pretty left leaning, so so like my my struggle with this is like what like. You know, she's happy that she doesn't control the means of production. Like, but I know what he really needs. He's talking about the bread lines. And, you know, obviously, uh, co- communism did not, uh, you know, live up to the uh, the the dream. Um, yeah. it, 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 it's interesting that he's, you know, this song is also talking about how capitalism didn't live up to that either. Um, so there's a little bit of, um, you know, it's it's. He's he's pretty even-handed um, in in his critiques of, of both of these ideologies. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I had to summarize it, it'd be like, okay, well, if you're going to be poor and starving, you might as well be poor and starving in a capitalist society where you have freedoms, than poor and starving in a communist society where maybe those those freedoms are perceived to be not there for you. Right. Or, you know, you have you have a little more leeway in a capitalist society right yeah and i think you know again going back to that the keep the children free you know i think prince certainly at this stage in his political consciousness um still kind of believes in pleading to uh america's better instincts you know like he he's still this is still like a ronnie talk to russia moment like you and I might not always see eye to eye on everything, but but you know I I I think that you can do the right thing and and keep like make this better. If we're going to be in this ideological war uh, with the Soviet Union, then let's live up to the vision of of America as it as it should be, you know, um, and and really provide those freedoms to everyone. That I think that's that's kind of what I get from this. From this song and i think later in, in life uh, uh prince was a little less optimistic <laughs> about being able to ask for these things and you know being being able to ask um you know like the person that you put into office um trusting them to to do the the job that you put them there for um but at this point i think he still he still thinks you know let's let's petition the government and um and do do what's right L- live up to the america that that we we say we are right that's still some optimism there and you have to you know credit him for that so then after the second verse we get another round of the chorus but one thing that he does differently is there's like this chant where he has i don't know i call them buzzwords (laughs) yeah Freedom, love, joy, peace. And he says peace at the beginning. I didn't mention that, but mm-hmm. before the, yeah. as the song is kicking off, you know, he does uh, traditional uh, Prince scream or whoop, and then he says peace, and then he goes into the lyrics of the song uh, proper. But then here he repeats that along with freedom, love, joy, and so I just I just wrote these down as like this is kind of like part you know, his his movements buzzwords. These are the things that he's trying to uh, trying to push forward, you know, as as talking points, 
you know, <laughs> this is what was what he's striving for. I mean, he mentions freedom again. Freedom is obviously very important to Prince of this time, and you keep the children free and having a song called Free that was just recorded a couple years earlier. And you know, and love has always you know been a, a part of it, and especially when you take the love is God, God is love um, approach towards that. So the equal meaning, joy. I mean, joy is just synonymous with happiness and and just you know at peace and and if you have that the two things joy and peace you know it's it's the opposite of war and peace you know i guess (laughs) it's just prince basically for me saying like these are the things that i value and want for myself and for my loved ones and for everyone in the world yeah and i love joy and peace is very feels very hippie you know it feels very like 60s counterculture kind of buzzwords so it's interesting to see them juxtaposed with freedom which is something that is more commonly used by the establishment you know if we um so you know when he puts it in this context we know that prince isn't talking about he's not talking about the free market you know like he's he's talking about freedom as as you know like individual expression kind of in the same area as as love joy and and peace he turns it into this very this thing that's i think dovetails very well with with his personal philosophy like you said yeah it's really that's what it is his personal philosophy that he takes pieces of all these different things that he uh, really values and, and puts them into into this this mantra that he recites a couple times in the song and into to use the words hippie and i even wrote that down kind of like <laughs> this hippie movement but i mean that's that's what a lot of this album is to a lot of people right is prince going back to that counterculture uh movement of the late 60s early 70s he's used the word hippie multiple times to in in different contexts to be good bad and right we know that he has a very like visceral feeling towards hippies and <laughs> what that means to him so he never uses that so that was and that's what i should really kind of preface this is that he never really used that to define this album himself this is something mm-hmm. that other people did they look at the artwork they look at some of the sounds that are coming out of this album that he had never really explored before some of the themes psychedelic themes that especially in a song like paisley park or around the world in a day and just we this stamp it with this hippie label, uh, right or wrong. So right. I just want to make that clear. That's not something that he used to describe this album. He never called himself a, as far as I know, it never called himself a hippie. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. That's that's just something we did because we like to <laughs> compare art to other art. That's just what right. we do. Right. got verse three at this point now and verse three goes jimmy nothing never went to school they made him pledge allegiance he said it wasn't cool nothing made jimmy proud now jimmy lives on a mushroom cloud (laughs) all right zach 
first three. <laughs> so I said Jimmy nothing. What does Jimmy nothing represent? What do you think he he's trying to say here by framing this verse around this story about this kid named Jimmy nothing? Yeah, uh, it's I mean, it would be a great punk name. Um, first of all, I'll, I'll just say that if, it, if I was going to be a punk frontman jimmy nothing would be a good a good choice for that uh johnny uh, rotten jimmy nothing yeah <laughs> yeah uh i so i i kind of I, I realized as we were reading this that i misspoke because i said that i said that the second verse was the like most extreme pivot and this is definitely <laughs> this, this is this is like cautionary tale morality play like oh you didn't want to say the pledge of allegiance well now you're dead like it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. wild uh <laughs> you know so yeah i think it's it, it is like this this is the this is the verse that as again as somebody who's definitely leans much further to the left this is one that i that i struggle with because i don't see i don't see as much um I don't see as much ambiguity here. This one, th this one seems to be, you know, yeah, like a cautionary tale of what happens when you're not patriotic, when you when you take your freedoms for granted, and there's there's none of that um, like critique of these ideologies that we're supposed to embrace. It's it's just well, the alternative is is nothing. It's you know destruction. It's nuclear holocaust. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Nothing comes across a little bit like a, a nihilist uh, in a way. Like, right. Doesn't believe in anything. Didn't go to school. Didn't pledge allegiance. Uh, never proud of anything. Never proud to. I mean, when he says nothing made Jimmy proud, you kind of think back to the proud to be an American song. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's right. like, okay, well, if you can't even be proud of your country, um, then you know what? What? What are you here for? What? What purpose do you serve our society? Don't go to school. Don't pledge allegiance. You're not proud of anything about who you are, where you live. Nothing, you know, to worry about what's cool, worry about what, you know, people think about you and not worry about, you know, the, the quote unquote threats in front of you. And one of those threats, of course, in the 1980s, especially in Prince's mind and many of us, was was communism and nuclear war so how, how does this end for jimmy he gets uh he gets blown up in a <laughs> in a nuclear blast so um i think that yeah the cautionary tale is definitely the, the probably the cleanest way to describe this and it is uh i guess it's just kind of like more of a comment about how things can change in a blink of an eye and just because you don't pay attention to what's going on in the world or in the news, politics in general, doesn't mean shit's not going to go down, <laughs> and you just not, and you, and you're just going to wake up one day, and you know everything has changed, or potentially not wake up because you're dead. Right. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's like if you're not patriotic, is is the country going to fall apart? I guess maybe if everybody takes Jimmy Nothing's approach. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, it's it's kind of a silly verse, uh, silly ending. But I think the uh, the imagery is still, you know, mushroom clouds and yeah, it's definitely memorable. It definitely leaves an impression. <laughs> you know, like I I can't uh, I can't fault it at all for that. <laughs> no, it, it certainly does. It certainly does. But yeah, it does leave you scratching your head a little bit. Of how did Jimmy go from 
<clears throat> not wanting to pledge the allegiance with, you know, I guess when you're a kid, you're so reliant on, I mean, I guess we don't know if Jimmy's a kid. We kind of assume he is because he's talking about going to school. Right, but, right, right. Uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, he would be James nothing if he was. In adult, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jimmy, Jimmy's a very, uh, <laughs> very youthful sounding name. But yeah, I just kind of get the impression that uh, this person's Jimmy nothing is is just being told or is too worried about what's cool and worried about showing patriotism is not being cool, which you know I think we all have probably experienced in life you worried about what other people think like i can't say the pledge of allegiance i don't want to talk in front of other people i don't want to say right. it but uh hey you know if, if you think like it's going to be impactful enough and then to to build that kind of sense of of pride in in your country or yourself to do that at a young age and if you don't do that at a young age maybe prince is trying to say our society our country is going to fall apart yeah and you, you know what i think is kind of interesting um throughout this i've been thinking about you know the way that the verses all take a turn and almost it's almost like a it, it's like a uh i guess a di- it's a dialectic to stay with the with with the marxist theme or or it's a um you know prince almost kind of like arguing like having a debate with himself you know like he has these two sides that are in opposition. Um, and then at the end, this is the resolution, but it's it's almost, you know, a lot of the time, a lot of the time in, when Prince is talking about a, a character, he's he's talking about an aspect of, of himself. So it makes me wonder if this is maybe his, you know, this is him kind of talking himself into uh, this, more patriotic stance you know i i wonder if there's a little bit of of jimmy nothing in in him where but but he's like well you know this is what happens if you don't if you don't believe in anything um Mm -hmm. you know then it's then it's just uh like what is there what is there to to live for you know so if you think about it as an argument with himself this is kind of the this is the more patriotic side kind of winning and saying you know you've got to at least You've got to at least believe in something, which is very—I think—is very much a prince idea. You know, usually, usually applied more to God than to country. But um, it, it does feel—it it does feel in in step with, with 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 some of the other things that that he's written. Yeah, I mean, there's the cliche: if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So, right, kind of falls in line with with that saying in a, in a way, I guess. All right. Well, I mean, after that, then we get another couple rounds of chorus. The music continues on. He says the uh, freedom, love, joy, peace repeats that. And I guess there's, uh, as the song begins to fade out after the music and the chorus, there's one other line that is kind of said, as the song is fading out, and Prince just kind of speaking it, um, he says, "Teacher, why won't Jimmy pledge allegiance?" It's just kind of uh, points back to the third verse and bringing Jimmy nothing back up. And you know, obviously, the line is being spoken at, from the uh, point of view of of one of Jimmy's classmates looking over at his his uh, friend or just his classmate, and seeing that he's not saying anything, just kind of sitting there or standing there not saying a word and just asking the question, teacher, why won't Jimmy pledge allegiance? 
So uh, it, it just kind of um, hammers home that point, I guess, right as the song is ending about that third verse and, and really kind of the more patriotic aspects of the song. And it, it's, I think of it like is it the person asking the question because he's asking the teacher the question or just saying that to give us all food for thought or something to think about as the song ends. Yeah, I think that line is really interesting because you know the thing, the, the thing that I struggled with in the first in the third verse was that there, it, it seems so pat and so much of a of a conclusion. Like, well, you know, none of this other stuff, you know, the the uh, massive inequality and the you know people living in in poverty, none of this other stuff matters because you know the reds are going to drop the bomb on us and we're all going to be dead so you know better say the pledge of allegiance you know um and this kind of brings back it plants that seed of like well why why won't he pledge allegiance and it's mm -hmm. like well you know i mean because of these other things <laughs> that were you know because because america isn't perfect um, because there's a history of inequality, especially especially for for black people, um, for for working people, you know, other people of color, gay people, women, you know, <laughs> the list the list goes on, you know. Like so, so I, I I like that there's this note of resistance, um, like you said, very subtle. You know, it, it it feels it feels throwaway. It's literally over the fade out. Um, but with but but Prince also always did like to do that they'd like to throw in that last minute curveball and i think that this that question why won't jimmy pledge allegiance kind of opens up his body this opens the door for those later the the uh, uh the avalanches and the uh the colonized minds and and all of those things where he really goes into you know particularly for him the black experience in america and how different <laughs> that that is from the you know the the kind of version of America that definitely you you and I grew up in in small town Midwest you know um, and and how uh, unequal that is um, so I I think it's an interesting way to kind of end the song and 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 reintroduce some of that ambivalence that that I was missing. Yeah, and then really that line, if to put it in a 2020 context or even just, you know, the late 2010s to this past decade, it can be even looked at very similarly to somebody seeing a football player kneeling. Right, uh, right. The yeah, exactly. And asking their dad, dad, why is, why is my favorite football player kneeling? Why isn't he standing during the national anthem? Um the same kind of question, right? I mean, asking the same kind of questions. What's what's going on with them and their lives, and what are they seeing that's so diametrically different than than my worldview, and in my perspective, and what's happened in my experiences? That you know, I'm standing very patriotically with my my hand over my heart, and this person is protesting in this way. And it's it's really it's the same kind of question. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like that third verse is is, is Prince in his very, you know, uh, temptation Old Testament kind of like, well, Jimmy, nothing is wrong, and so now he's going to hell, kind of kind of a, and then and then this is him kind of pulling it back and saying, well, you know, if he doesn't, 
if, if, if for whatever reason he doesn't believe in America, then that's a failing of America, not a failing of him. You know, we need to give him a reason to want to pledge allegiance. You know, that yeah. it's a it's a it's a two way street. Yeah, totally agree. All right. Well, um, there are no more lyrics to America. You know, <laughs> if we were going to talk about the, the 12 inch, we would be here talking about the music for another an hour. But we're not. <laughs> right. So the, the radio version, the album version is actually fairly short. I think it's less than four minutes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a quick. It's a very upbeat, fast song. I, I love the music to it. So uh, it's one of my favorite songs off of Around the World in a Day. For that reason, and you know, maybe this song is is not one of his uh, most fleshed out political songs, uh, but it certainly is an attempt. and And there's some there's some good imagery. There's some amusing uh, turns in this song that that make it for me a, a good one, an interesting one, and one that I go back to quite often. Yeah, and I, I think it really benefits from. Uh, close reading. I feel like having walked through line by line and talked about it, a lot of the things that I found puzzling about it, I mean, it's still, it's not like, I'm not going to say, oh, I have the definitive interpretation of, of America now. Um, but, but you know, I feel like it makes a lot more sense to me now than, um, than it, it did when I just would be listening more passively or just kind of ingesting it as a whole, like really walking through it and seeing um, you know, it's 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 very rigidly structured um, in in some interesting ways. Yeah, it's it's a I think it's a song that um, that benefits from from going through line by line like this. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, Zach, uh, where can people find you and your work if they were to look you up on the yeah. internet? Yeah, so I um, I have a blog uh, called Dance Music Sex Romance where I do something like this, but with written words instead of um, spoken words. Uh, and you can find that on printsongs.org. I just recently started um, uh, on Purple Rain, um, blogging about every song in order. And um, I wrote a really, really long one on Baby I'm a Star that should keep you occupied for a while until I uh, until I get the next one out. Awesome, I yeah I enjoy your blog a lot and uh, Baby I'm a Star is a great great song. It's it's you wouldn't think just from looking down the uh, track listing on Purple Rain that a song like Baby I'm a Star would be one of the have one of the more lengthy entries. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> on the surface, it may not seem like it, but yeah, there's a lot going on in that song for sure. Yeah, yeah, and a lot going on in his in his life at that. It, it, it's so um, emblematic of that shift from 1999 to Purple Rain, where he really just shot into the into the mainstream. Um, and then it's and then around the world in a day. I can't wait to get there because this is an even more interesting trajectory where he gets to the mainstream, decides he doesn't like it, and um, uh, basically shoots himself in the foot on purpose so he can, you know, continue being a um, more on the avant-garde and, and not, you know, not turn into Michael Jackson or Madonna. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of arguably hobbled his commercial career, but um, Around the World in the Day is what gave us... Um, you know the last 
30 years of Prince as a challenging um, artist. So it's a yeah. really important album. And you can find me on the uh, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, under the same name. Just look Press Rewind up. You'll find me there. And so uh, thanks, thanks, Zach, for joining me again today. Thanks for talking America with me and helping me uh, break down these lyrics. And um, until next time, goodbye.